This is the NBA Sunday Tip on Sirius XM Bleach Report Radio. Here are your hosts, Ethan Skolnick. For as long as I've gone, we've always carried this stuff at a, at a high level. And uh, playing 82 games, a lot of distraction, that's huge. And especially what a, he's going to be a faithful franchise. So it starts off with that. And everybody knows what he can do on Detroit. And he can shoot, he can touch the floor. And he's also a winner. He played on one of the best college teams ever this year as we watched. Uh, I, I was a fan of Kentucky this year. So I can go on and on while I talk to you a little bit. That is Julia Loca for, and look, um, Howard. It's funny because when you're covering like the playoffs, you just totally lose track of like the other important things that are going on in the NBA. Which, like, the really important thing, the thing that actually propelled the Golden State Warriors to the championship, with the fact that they got Steph Curry at number seven and Harrison Barnes at number seven and Clay Thompson at number ten and Draymond Green in the second round. After I wrote a column on draft night that the Heat were stupid for not taking Draymond Green late in the first round. <laughs> Look at you go. Which I, I constantly mention that. They decided to basically uh, trade out of the pick so that they could get a, a future draft pick, uh, which they ended up dumping dumping uh, in order to dump Joel Anthony's contract. So that, that was not one of the better decisions <laughs> of, the, uh, of the Pat Riley era. Anyway, so, you know, you just forget anything else is going on. And I think that sometimes the teams do too. So it, they're having this celebration you know, Golden State, you know, in the queue, in the queue uh, as, as they call Quicken Loans Arena. And, you know, everybody's all excited. And then I heard a couple of Golden State executives be like, yeah, and the draft's next week. You know, like in the middle of like pouring champagne, you yeah. know, still smelling like champagne. It just, it just never ends. You go from June right into the draft, then we go right into free agency. Um, and obviously we have done a poor job on this show of covering the draft because we have been covering – uh, everything that's been going on with the playoffs in the finals. So we are going to get some help here. Uh, we reached out to the guy on this. He, he's he's the man. He's got his – if you go to Draft Express right now, uh, you can call up his latest uh, mock draft, uh, which we're going to talk about with him right now. It's Jonathan Gavoni. Jonathan, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. So let's start with what uh, you have up right now. And I, I know, obviously, this is an inexact science because there are so many things – that go into this in terms of what the team's preferences are, what the trades could be, uh, and all the rest. But as of right now, and, and tell me if this is your most current, it does appear to be so because it was Friday at 2 o'clock, uh, Carl Towns 1, Jaleel Okafor 2, uh, Porzingis, I'm not even going to attempt the first name, uh, 3, D'Angelo Russell 4, that would be to Howard's beloved New York Knicks, and Willie Cauley-Stein 5th. How did you you come to this, and, and and what do you think are some of the factors that might change this as we move forward towards Thursday? Well, we've been covering these guys since they were teenagers, since they were 15, 16 years old for the most part. And so, you know, a lot of this comes down to just experience. This is my 12th draft, and I, I have not you know, a basic idea of what, you know, what teams normally look for, and that's kind of how – the draft board evolves. I also do a lot of traveling throughout the year. I go to pretty much every event that's on the NBA draft calendar. And so you run into the same faces over and over again. And there's, you know, there's an exchange of information that, that happens there. So um, I think this would be more of kind of a consensus look at what, you know, or what, you know, kind of how the NBA views this. I'm always, you know, self checking, calling around, saying, okay, who's too high, who's too low. There's a lot of guys here that are very high that I don't particularly think are going to be great pros, but they're going to be drafted really high, so that's so that so they they get placed up there anyway. I do think there's going to be some movement that's happening. Um, 
to talking to teams over the weekend. A lot of them went into their war rooms this week with their um, team doctors, and they and they really um, flushed out, you know, guy by guy, um, the medical evaluations. And I think there's a surprisingly high number of guys who have been red flagged, um, not that are going to go undrafted because of their medical issues, but are going to slip a little bit. Maybe that, you know, other guys are going to surpass them. So, you know, pretty much teams are looking for reasons right now why not to draft players. And there's a lot of trade discussions that are happening, too. A lot of teams are basically calling around and saying, okay, our pick is available. What are you What are you going to offer in exchange? And, you know, whether trades actually get done or not, we're not sure. But there's a lot of talk right now around the league. You know, teams just trying to figure out what's out there. Our guest is Jonathan Gavoni, the president of Draft Express. And, Jonathan, I, I want to ask you about Kristaps Porzingis, the forward out of Sevilla, because you've got him slotted right now at, at number three. And I know that that's based on where you think he's going to be drafted, not necessarily where you yourself would, would rate him. But you've got him at this point in your mock draft going third to the Sixers. This is a guy who I think most of the – for the last couple of months, if we'd heard about him, you heard about Porzingis and Hazonia, the, the two top international guys, as being – I think, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, they were basically going to be mid-lottery type picks. And right now, you've got Porzingis at third and Hazonia all the way up to sixth now, and, and with Moutier slipping to seventh. What has, has caused the big surge uh, by the two international guys, Porzingis and Hazonia, in the last uh, couple of weeks? Well, I think they've always been up there. Uh, they've all, always been in the, in, in the top seven or eight, and so it's really just a matter now of, you know which teams have the picks and 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 what and which way they might be leaning. I think um, Porzingis has really done a great job. You know, coming over to the states and just kind of easing the concerns that teams you know might have about drafting an international player. His English is phenomenal. Um, he's an outstanding kid. He's 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 a worker. I mean, all the background checks have always have always checked off really really well with this guy. So. I mean, that's something that's helped him. Uh, Hizonia, I mean, I've had Hizonia up there, I mean, for as long as he's been a prospect. He's, you know, he kind of came onto the radar screen when he was 15 years old, playing with Dario Saric in Croatia. And so we always knew that this guy was, was going to be a top-ten pick. And now he's, you know, he's finally getting a chance to, to prove that in the ACB Finals, um, which to me is really, really impressive to be for, for a 19-year-old kid to play at that level. Um, you know, get serious minutes. He played 25 minutes um, two days ago and, and scored 18 points. He got another 15 minutes today. Barcelona got blown out, which, you know, might mean that he might get even more playing time in game three. So, I mean, those two guys are really, really talented, and there's a reason why they're going to get drafted in that top seven or eight. We're here with Jonathan Gavoni from Draft Express. Uh, John, if you you take a look at this draft in total, we're hearing a lot about okay, the Knicks could move down, some other teams might move down, that, that there, uh, there is a little bit of depth in this draft if, if you want to do that. How do you evaluate? I mean, last year there was this consensus of the strength of that draft. Obviously, a lot of those guys got hurt and weren't able to kind of fulfill it in their rookie seasons. But where do you, where do you evaluate the strengths of this draft? Is this a deep draft? Is this, is this a draft where if a team does move down out of that, say, top four or five, uh, they won't come to regret it? I think this is a good draft. I think it could have been a whole lot better had some players that 
people projected as lottery picks decided to actually enter the draft. A couple of guys decided not to put their name in, guys like Chris Dunn from Providence or Jakob Perto from Utah. And then at the deadline, we lost a couple of other um, you know, guys that were definitely going to get drafted, maybe even in the first round at the withdrawal deadline just six days ago. So I think that this is a, a really strong draft at the top. I think that there's a real drop-off around eight I believe starting right around nine um, is when, you know, it, it can really go in a lot of different ways. Um, I think that the end of the first round is fairly weak. I think in the 20s, it's, you know, there's not a ton of value there. But I'm, but like every draft, there's going to be good players picked throughout, you know, the first and the second round. There's going to be good players that go and drafted that make teams. I mean, that. The American talent pool is so strong right now that the guys are going to emerge no matter what. Our guest is Jonathan Gavoni of Draft Express. Jonathan, you know, obviously the by nature of a mock draft, you figure the guys at the very top are the ones who are supposed to make uh, the big immediate impact. But stripping away just expectations of where guys are going to go, when you, because you've seen these guys more than almost anyone, um, you know, you and a handful of other draft experts, and, and of course the scouts. Who's who's got you most excited when you look at certain guys that you say, you know, not you know, maybe it's the short term. Maybe it's the guys who are ready to make a difference on a team right away, which, as we know, rarely happens in this day and age with with 19 year olds coming in. But, you know, who's got you most excited who can make maybe a quick impact or just uh, having the the longest uh, lasting impact of this draft class? Well, we got a chance to travel the last six, seven weeks and really go watch almost every player in this draft class working out privately. And normally I get very, very bored by these workouts. They're, you know, they're one on zero. It's just a bunch of shooting. There's really not a lot to learn there. Um, but the guy that really shocked me was, you know, I wouldn't, it's not going to shock anybody that's hearing this, but it's Carl Towns. who's going number one. That was the most impressive workout I had seen since Paul George. And, it just really gave us a chance to, to 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 say, okay, this guy, you know, he's got a chance to be an unbelievable NBA player. I mean, he was making every shot, dribbling the ball like a guard, dunking on people. We're about to release a video uh, tomorrow. Um, kind of flashing back to the Nike Hoop Summit uh, two years ago where he played against Jaleel Okafor. And you can already see there just how much he's changed, how much more fluid he's running, um, how much more athletic he is, his body has improved. I mean, this guy, he's he's the real deal. And I'm not sure people really felt that way going into the year, you know, halfway through the year, but he, he just got better and better. And so, I mean, guys who are seven feet tall, who can block shots and run the floor and can make threes and can handle the ball like a guard, I mean, you just don't find them. And that's what the NBA is all about right now. We're here with Jonathan Cavoni from Draft Express. So it sounds like, obviously, you were very sold on Towns. And if he goes to Minnesota, and, and we're going to actually discuss a lot of that in the next segment, then the Lakers have a choice then, obviously, because Okafor, I assume, w- would you project him as, and I know you have him second right now, would you project him as the safest pick at that spot? In other words, in what what you think you're getting and what you're probably getting? And is there another direction that you think the Lakers could or maybe should go there? I think that Okafor is definitely the safest pick there. And kind of knowing the track record of the Lakers, Mitch Kupchak, you know, 
being fairly risk averse, that seems to be the consensus of which direction they'll be heading in. I really do think that if Mario Hazonia had come to the States, if he wasn't still playing right now in the ACP finals, I think he would give people a lot to think about just with the way he can work out because his game is, is so tailor-made for the NBA, it's it's a joke. I mean, this this guy is an incredible shooter. He can make shots from half court, and he's also extremely athletic. He's got great size. Some people think he would measure 6'9 in shoes. They, met, they, they, they list guys without shoes in Europe, and he's listed at 6'8". So, I, I think that Hizonia would give people some things to think about, but listen, I'm also a big fan of D'Angelo Russell, and um, but I listen, I'm also I think Julio Okafor is going to be great, so um, I, I I think it's a very strong draft at the top, and I really wouldn't have concerns drafting either of those four guys. Our guest is Jonathan Gavoni, president of Draft Express, and Jonathan, uh, my favorite game to play this time of year is the. Um, you know, uh, grumpy old man. Hey, the, uh, all these guys, half of them are going to fail. Uh, roll. I like. I like uh, dumping on everyone's parade. Um, so, so <laughs> he's not kidding. Actually, it, he's, I'm, he's I'm quite not, serious. Jonathan knows this. Uh, so, because here's the <laughs> thing: only this time of the year, right? And not, right. No, right. No. Time. No. None of the other 364 days. It's I'm, just I'm sunny. I'm sunny the rest of <laughs> right, the year. As is, people know. Is, it's it's um, always listen. sunny in Brooklyn, as you know, Jonathan. <laughs> Except today. Um, Look, this is the week when everybody talks up everything about every one of these guys, and they all sound like future stars until they're not. And everybody comes away from the draft, the teams, the fans, thinking this is great. Uh, you know, we, all of our needs are solved, and we're going to win sixty games next year. Um, we know by we know statistically that you know two thirds of these guys probably aren't going to pan out. Um, that may be conservative. Uh, why? Uh, when we go into this this week and we're thinking we're going to hear all the great things about all these guys, what ultimately is going to end up separating out the ones who do become either stars or very good players from the washouts? Because we know even in that top five, the ones we're, we're most excited about, chances are maybe two of them will actually become really good players. And maybe it's higher it's in any given year. But uh, what's going to separate the ones, uh, the, 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 the actual NBA players from the ones who end up becoming washouts or disappointments? I strongly believe that a lot of it has to do with opportunity. Um, I think that a lot of guys come into the NBA and, you know, they've been the man on every team that they've played on since they were five or six years old. And they step into a place where they're not really anything. They basically, you know, need to work their way up from the bottom. And a lot of them really just can't handle it, you know, and it, 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 it hurts their ego to, to and, and it, it kind of crushes them. You know, and so I think you see it. Some players are able to rebound from that on their second or third team, but some guys just kind of go into a shell and um, and never really emerge from it, and they never reach their full potential. I think that all all the guys that are being projected as first round picks right now, they all have the talent to do it, but. The question is, are they going to get the opportunity, and are they going to continue to improve? And that's, you know, that's really what teams are trying to figure out right now with all the, you know, the psychological assessments and, and the medical reports. I mean, a lot of players, you know, we saw this draft class, 2014, almost, you know, half of it, almost, didn't, we didn't get to see anything because of all right. the injuries. And that's where the medical reports the teams are studying right now, that's where they're so important. And we see that, you know, Half of the guys that are going to go in the first round this year already have 
serious medical red flags, whether it's with, with their hips, their ankles, their knees. I mean, these guys are playing so many games um, leading up to getting drafted that, you know, a lot of them aren't going to reach their potential just because of that. We're here with Jonathan Gavoni. Last one, Jonathan. Um, and again, I, I advise everyone to go over to Draft Express, check out his his latest mock. You mentioned injuries. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about Joel Embiid now over the past few days and whether his his season uh, is uh, is another season maybe in jeopardy for him. And again, you, right now you have Porzingis going to the 76ers at number three. Um, I know it's hard to get in Sam Hinkie's head with what he's trying to do there, but um, if you were in his situation, do you think Porzingis, uh, again, is, is this a guy who's going to take a lot of time to develop? Because it would seem to me at this point that the fans of Philadelphia would start to get a little bit edgy about this rebuilding process. I think he is going to take time. I don't think he's going to light the world on fire from day one. He has a very frail frame, which is he's going to be a problem guarding NBA power forwards. He's going to get pushed around quite a bit. And there's always a transition for any rookie you know, getting getting into the NBA. I mean, this guy, he only played about 20 minutes a game in Spain this year. So um, but I don't think that that's the, the reason that you make or don't make the pick, though, because you can say that about every player in this draft class. And I don't think Sam Hinkie's going to be influenced by that. He's got time on his hands still. So I think he's going to go with the best player available. I mean, I think they're going to be outstanding in 2040. Uh, two. <laughs> Somewhere around there. Get those season tickets. Together we rise. Philadelphia 76ers. Well, Jonathan, thank you for taking the time. Uh, hopefully, I, I know you're also uh, a Brooklyn uh, resident, so hopefully you can bring Howard a little bit of sun and he can look upon these draft prospects as all going to be great players uh, going forward in the NBA. So work, work on that. <laughs> but everybody check out his work at Draft Express. Thank you, John, for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.